Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When I got out of the Marines, I decided to celebrate by going camping by myself. I was tired of living under someone's thumb and just wanted to be my own man for a while. I went to a secluded spot that requires you to hike in about eight, nine miles on foot. The trail itself was pretty overgrown and it seemed more like a game trail than one people created on purpose. That wasn't the case, but the trail obviously hasn't seen a lot of use. I picked a gorgeous camping spot in alongside of a mountain river. There was no signs of any humans as far as I can tell, nor did I see anyone on my hike in. The first night I was awakened about two in the morning by a coughing sound. It sounded like the kind of cough that people who have been smoking for thirty years had. I peeked my head out of my tent and said, hello, anyone out there? Silence. After a while I went back to bed. The second night, same thing. This time I got out my flashlight and my e-tool for self-defense and looked around. I didn't see anything. I was calling out anyone out there. I walked to the river, looked a river, looked around, and then made a square around the perimeter of my campsite. 
to see if I found any tracks or signs on people. Nothing, nothing. The morning of the third day, I decided to move camp. I walked probably a mile downstream and found another good spot. That evening, sure enough, same thing. Again, I walked the perimeter and found nothing. The next morning, I decided to cut my camping a day or two short because I was getting creeped out. I adjusted my gear, making sure everything was in place as we prepared to parachute into the remote forest near Slovakia. We were a Navy SEAL team on a top, secret mission, tasked with finding a crucial contact in this treacherous region. Leading the team was Muta, a fellow SEAL and a fan of horror podcasts. Little did we know that the mission would take a horrifying turn that would rival even the scariest stories he had listened to. As we descended from the night sky, the forest swallowed us whole. The dense foliage and eerie silence created an atmosphere of unease. Our objective was to navigate the hostile territory, gather information, and extract as quickly and discreetly as possible, cut off from communication and backup. We knew that our resourcefulness and teamwork would be paramount to our survival. As we ventured deeper into the woods, our senses heightened. Every crackle of a branch, every rustle of leaves sent shivers down our spines. The tension in the air was palpable, and we remained on high alert. Our training kicked in, allowing us to move swiftly and silently through the undergrowth, blending in with the darkness that enveloped us. Suddenly, our keen eyes spotted movement among the trees. Without hesitation, we readied our weapons, trained to shoot at any potential threat, but to our astonishment, the round seemed to pass through the figure, as if it were an apparition. It was a chilling sight, a creature unlike anything we had encountered before. The creature stood at the edge of our vision, bathed in another worldly glow. Its body emanated in an ethereal darkness, its fur sleek and obsidian. Eyes burning like embers pierced through the night, revealing an intelligence that sent a shiver down my spine. This was no ordinary anima. The creature barked, its sound resonating with a deep guttural resonance that sent chills down my spine. Its teeth, sharp and glistening, appeared to be forged from the darkest corners of the underworld. This was a being not of our realm, but of something far more sinister. Before we could react, the creature vanished into thin air, leaving us stunned and bewildered. The woods fell silent once again as if the encounter had been nothing more than a twisted figment of our imagination. But the intensity of the experience lingered in the air. The memory etched into our minds. Shaken but resolute, we pressed on with our mission. After an hour of navigating the unforgiving terrain, we finally reached our contact. The meeting was successful, and crucial information was exchanged. Yet even in the face of our accomplishment, the memory of this creature continued to haunt us. As we made our way back, the question gnawed at the edges of our consciousness. What kind of creature had we encountered in those dark woods? This is in an area between Boring and Gresham, Oregon. I was with some friends coming back from a late-night drive. Anywhere from 11 p.m. to 2.30 a.m. late summer early fall was a little chilly in my opinion. We had stopped at a stop sign at a crossroads. 
I was in the passenger side back seat of a 73 AMC Hornet, so visibility is not the best. I noticed as we passed the crossroads there was a huge field to my right with a house on it. The lights in the house were off. I noticed something walking across the field, a dark figure. I pointed it out to my friend and said, Hey, what in the hell is someone doing walking across a field this time of night? He commented something about it being one big dude we don't want to mess with and then something about Sasquatch. When I think back on it, I can visualize the size and it was pretty tall. My friend was six foot four who I was with and I had a friend from high school who was six feet nine and this thing was easily a foot over the six foot nine guy. Had some girth to it too. Large arms, too, like CO2 cylinders for soda dispensers. It seemed to kind of glance in our direction a little, but didn't seem too concerned. It looked like it had entered the field from probably 100, 150 yards up, and when we passed it, was probably about 100 yards into the field, away from us. It was cutting in a straight line diagonally like a disrespectful teen might cross someone's lawn because they are too lazy to walk to the corner. The direction it was heading there were no more houses at all. We were going westbound and the creature was heading northeast. The only other housing nearby was southeast from us. To the northeast which it was heading was another field and possibly a creek or two and then deep woods for quite a ways. Not sure how far, but not much for residents up there for miles and miles before getting to the Sandy River towards Dodge Park. The direction it was coming from, it would have been a mile or two in, but there would have been a few housing developments about three miles from the outskirts of Gresham, kind of near Sandy or Damascus. I wouldn't say it was crossing from over in that area because it would have had to cross a lot of suburban type areas as well as several busy roads and a busy highway highway, 26. If it was a Bigfoot, my personal guess is it was headed back home after going somewhere in the opposite direction for some reason. I thought it rather odd and we all joked occasionally from time to time about seeing Bigfoot for the next year or two when remembering times we hung out before eventually the group of friends generally moved away. We ranged in age from 1920, eight years old, and there were about four or five of us. I was trying to research a little on my cousin's murder on Wildcat Mountain Road years ago when I came across this site due to the keywords I was using. After reading quite a bit, it brought back this memory. I think my wife and her friend have a few stories as well, having lived in central Oregon near Lapine, Crescent, and Gilchrist most of their lives. I will have to talk with them and make some reports as well. Also, when I think about it, there was kind of a rotten smell to the area. Didn't really smell animal-like, although that general area at night smells kind of animal-like. It smelled kind of humid, mossy, and a bit like mildew. Not the typical Bigfoot smell from what I have read. It wasn't really a rancid smell either, but kind of fresh. I lived in El Peso for close to five years and did a lot of backcountry camping. Red Sands got a loopy. WSNP was the creepiest at night hands down, and because it requires a permit to camp there, Nobody else was there. 
I was all alone in this beautiful wonderland. For those unaware, White Sands is the largest gypsum deposit in the world, and it's hundreds of miles of snow-white sand dunes surrounded by mountains in Bum, if New Mexico. Made some chow, sat by the fire for a while, soaking it all in, then laid down. I couldn't sleep and went to take a walk in the dunes, and the whole time I felt like I was being watched. The glow of the moon reflecting on that white gypsum sand was eerie. It almost looks like a white chem light with a full moon. Decided to call it and went back to my tent to attempt sleep. Woke up the next morning and had footprints in the sand all over my camp, but they were odd. Some circling my tent repeatedly all around my truck and then heading into a direction I didn't even explore. There was a second set of prints following my path from the night before. The high desert is strange for sure. We lived on the mountain, down off in a big hole known as Smoky Holler, a small mining community up until the 70s. Our road was off the main community road. It led to one of the mines. My older brother, who was about 15 years old at the time, said he was walking home one day and passed a stranger who was coming from the direction of our house. A stranger on our road walking was unheard of. My brother said he was dressed all in black with a long black coat and hat. And the part that stuck out to me was he said the stranger was at least seven feet tall. They didn't speak to one another, but my brother was afraid of him and had a bad feeling. Fast forward 30 years, my brother and one of his friends are driving down X Ridge and they go over the guardrail down the side of the ridge. My brother is thrown out the windshield and lands in the woods and lays there till the ambulance shows up. His friend was still in the truck as it rolled and was killed. As my brother was laying there, he sees the seven-foot-tall stranger walking down the side of the road on top of the guardrail towards him, just walking on the guardrail. He didn't say any more after that, whether he talked to the man or not, or whether the man came close to his friend in the truck. I was a Boy Scout at the time of this experience, now Eagle. And this, honestly, has to be one of the creepiest things I have ever seen. So I went with a troop, basically a class of scouts from a local parish to England for 16 days. I stayed and had an amazing time, enjoying the less strict drinking laws that England had to offer and other teenage things, but this happened when I completely sober. I was camping with a whole bunch of scouts from other nations on an estate, and I got up at around 1 a.m. to go take a leak. I'm doing my business in awe when I see what looks to be a man standing 20 feet away from me. I can't make out any features. I just know that he is a person. It was especially creepy because it was just the moonlight illuminating the area, and you could make out the shadows from trees and lanterns and all the other effects, but he had no shadow at all. It's like he was completely opaque, jet black. I am standing there just watching him, too terrified with fear to move. Eventually, I realize my fly is down, and I glance away to fix it. But when I look back up, he is about ten feet closer. This is weird to me because it had just been down, pouring that day, and the ground was completely muddy. I would have heard the distinct sounds of boots or shoes squishing on the mud, but there was none. I book it back into my tent, 
close the zipper, but I can see him moving closer. I close my eyes and try to sleep, but I can feel fingers running along the side of my tent, trying to feel for something. I wake up my brother and asks if he can hear it, to which he says no and gets mad at me for waking him up. Thinking to myself I must be seeing things, I finally achieve sleep. The next morning I unzip my tent, and the rainfly has been thrown off the tent and is lying next to it. The only way someone could have done that is that they found a buckle underneath the rainfly and undid it. It starts to click in my head that maybe whoever was feeling around the tent also did this, as they would have felt the buckles. Luckily, we left for London that day and never had to camp for the rest of the trip. It made for a good story and something to brag about, but it still freaks me out to this day. I live in a very rural area in eastern North Carolina. The county is roughly 20,000 people, but they are roped into five communities, and most of the remaining area is just miles of open fields or forest. Two stories. First, my family owns about 40 acres of forest land behind my house. Growing up, I would always go explore the woods with friends after school. I've walked a good majority of that land. Fast forward two years when we're logging the land. I'm driving home and I see police cars everywhere. Turns out the loggers found a body remains in our woods which had been there for about ten years. The theory was that he walked down the railroad track that passes through our land and killed himself in our woods. Incredibly lucky that I didn't stumble upon the body as a kid. Side note, the more I think of it, our land is fickety F it up. One self-harm, seven normal family deaths in the house. Second, there's a place called Diamond City out in the most rural part of our county. Although it's called a city, it's anything but. Here is a brief explanation of the city as well as the phenomena. Approximately five miles from the nearest paved road, Diamond City is a network of dirt roads way deep into the woods. There's long been a legend of the Diamond City lights that you can see in the woods. I've always been amazed at legends like this, so naturally I go explore it with friends. We go deep into the trail, cut the car off, and flash the lights, waiting for anything. Being that far away from civilization with no signal and surrounded by pitch black woods is an incredibly eerie feeling. We sit there in silence until one night I see far down the path a small flicker of light. It then begins to grow and roll toward the car. We wait, and the orb of light grew and grew until it disappeared. For a second it was like time itself stopped. Then I see light from behind the car. I hesitantly turn around and see the ball rolling away at the same speed at which it arrived. I'm not sure if seeing it is creepier or the thought that it went right by us. I don't believe in ghosts or that paranormal stuff. I had one experience that was hard to shake. Back in my drinking partying days, I was at a friend's house and went to sleep in his guest room after a heavy night of drinking. Middle of the night, I wake up to someone shaking me. Physically, I felt their hand pushing on me. I look up and see the shadow of a man in the dark. I say, Jeff, what do you want? Silence. Just standing there, I grabbed my phone, which was next to me for some light, and it was gone. 
I think my drunken mind was playing tricks on me. When my wife and I bought our first house, we had this eerie experience. The house was built in 1917, and two people had died at the house, an older lady inside and her husband on the front porch. We heard all the noises, doors opening, lights going on and off, that sort of thing. I started to fix the house up, and things started getting worse. Any houseplant put in a windowsill would be smashed on the floor. Any clothes that I hung up on a dresser knob for work the next day would have the seams unsewn. I put a bottle of Jack on the refrigerator and it fell on the floor and landed on its top. I put it inside of a pot that my wife had on the fridge and the next night we heard a crash. And it was on the floor again, on its top, and this time it cracked the neck. Our dogs could see the ghost and you could watch as both dogs' heads would turn in unison as they watched it go through a room. After a few years, the strange things tapered off and finally quit. We sold the house to a single lady, and she resold the house only a few months later and moved out. I saw her at the store and asked why she had moved. She told me about all the strange things that went on while she owned it and just couldn't take it. Although we toughed it out for 15 years, she just couldn't take it, and the house has sold several times since. My grandparents live in a private subdivision on the lake. There is a huge mansion out there that was built on an Indian burial ground. It's called the Myers Plantation. They owned all the land in the beginning, and then started selling it off for people to build on, and eventually became a private gated subdivision that had its own bylaws until recent years. The Meyer Mansion had a big circle driveway. Growing up as kids, there was always stories being told about ghosts and whatnot. Of course, I believed them. Mr. and Mrs. Myers died years and years and years ago. It had a private pair and boathouse, and no one had took care of it since they passed. It was falling apart, and the woods were grown up all around it. Hell, it didn't even have water around it anymore, because the lake had receded so much over the years. Well, you can still walk out there to it and find cane poles rigged up on what's left of the pier. You can take them down and come back, and they will be back up again. The back of the house down to the lake is one-fourth mile walk. There is a nice stone walkway the entire way. Well, as we got older, we got braver and braver to explore this land. The more we explored it, the more we decided it was all lies and wasn't haunted or built on a graveyard. Well, then one day, going up those stairs, one broke loose and thundered over. It was a dang tombstone, and so was all the other 15,000 stones used to make this stairway. I used to ride the go-kart around the streets, and my papa always told me never to go into the Myers driveway. I would always turn around at the end of it and go back. It was at the end of the street. Well, one day I got ballsy and decided I was going to circle the driveway. So I did and pulled up to the front door, and it had a huge awning over the front door area. As I started to glance around at the many, many windows in the house, I see the blinds moving in one window and then see a woman appear as the curtain is pulled back. This house has been vacant since the Myers passed. I hightailed it home, and believe me, I never went back in that driveway again. Needless to say, I couldn't tell anyone what I saw. 
because I wasn't supposed to be there to begin with LOL. One night in early summer, I believe, a guy named Kevin came back to my girlfriend at the time, little brother's house. He started to tell us he had seen a four-foot-tall owl leaving his house last night. I grew up in this very area, in Indiana, when I was younger. And at first I thought he was telling us some cheesy joke or story. When he didn't laugh, we knew he was serious. That's when we started to laugh at him. He claimed this happened to him right across the street and about halfway through the woods. I completely thought he was making this up. Wasn't sure why he would, though. I personally thought he was lying. I then asked him if this happened across the street. Then take me to where you saw it then. I'm glad I had him show me. At the time, I really thought he was double-downing on his lie. I wasn't expecting anyone else to follow us, but everyone who came with me was there. When he brought us to the spot, I looked carefully, being the outdoorsman I was. Nothing. No scratches on the ground. No blood, no fur. He also added he thought it was eating something, because as he cut through, he thought someone was sitting hunched over in the dark. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. He then added that he said, who's there? It lifted up over this head, carrying something he thought. He said it. It then screeched at him, and that was all. We laughed and made fun of him for the next few years, even. He got it bad. We thought he was lying, and we all figured if you're going to lie, you're going to have to deal with us making fun of you for catching you in that lie. Kevin never brought it up again or even tried to defend himself. I looked right at him and asked, why to pick an owl? He was a little confused by this question and just said, what do you mean? Then I said, why pick an owl? Owls aren't even scary. Then in the early spring of 2007, my friend Josh, who lived a few streets over from where this Kevin guy was, saw this four-foot-tall owl. I completely forgot he told us about it, unless we would see him for a laugh. I thought he was just making it up. Josh and I cut through the same woods he saw it in, but from the other way. We could see all of the way through from the street. His woods is long, but maybe only 100 yards wide. As we get to about halfway, we both hear something running on the leaves in our direction fast. I'm a little bit taller than Josh. I was able to turn around and took a few steps jumping and pulling myself up. Josh was running out of time, and I told him to jump and grab my hand. 
There was a mean pit bull dog that the owners would sometimes let loose at night to roam. At the last second, Josh jumped on a little sapling tree and climbed it like a rope. About two weeks later, we would be doing the same thing again, only when we heard the leaves moving on the ground. It was a large raccoon instead. I started to walk again towards Dennis's house, and then I heard a wooden diving board noise. When I heard this, I just stopped in my tracks and started to scan, looking for the source of the noise. Eventually, I'd turn around and started to look behind us, and that's when I noticed the very large branch still whipping up and down. Now, even more confused, I'm looking for what came out of this large branch, not seeing anything. Most, if not all, my focus was on the ground near the base of the large oak tree. The way the limb was moving something very large would have jumped out. The only thing that didn't make sense was, I'm looking at nothing on the ground. I turned back to Josh and said, Bobcat, only to have him roll his eyes at me. I wouldn't have believed it either, except to me, it was the only thing. That would have weighed enough to shake the branch like that, but never make a sound, possibly, when it hit the ground. So I'm literally waiting for a big cat to show itself and pounce. After another full minute, nothing happens, and I'm even more confused and started to walk toward Dennis's house. I take a few more steps, still looking around, but facing forward back at his house. I started to catch movement out of the top corner of my eye, and what I explained next, I would have never thought in a million years I'd be telling or saying. It was just a black mass or a black ball shape, darker than the night sky around it. When I see this, I freeze because I'm just not sure what I'm looking at. It's still above the treetops, halfway through this woods, probably putting it in the 100 feet range up, just right above the tips of the tree. I was first, and Josh was still somewhere behind me. I stayed focused on the dark movement and didn't want to lose view of what it was. I was walking down a path to the entrance to the woods. As I was about to enter, I could see a flashlight walking down a path in the woods coming towards me, appearing to be scouting the area for something. I decided to wait near the entrance until they passed, which is still a few hundred yards from civilization, or any light at all. As they got closer, I could make out a male voice talking to someone over my very loud music. I assumed he was on the phone. Nothing too odd. However, as I expected him to walk past me, he did not. He stood around four feet to the side of me. It was really dark, so he was just a silhouette but I could see he had a massive F off German Shepherd on a leash. He's still noticeably talking, but it didn't seem like he was trying to get my attention. At this point, I turn away and start walking towards the woods when I can clearly hear him shouting something. That is when I pull one earphone out of my ear and hear something to the effect of it's the police. Take your earphones out and stop walking away. Realizing that he was in fact shouting at me the entire time, I turn around and say I'm sorry I didn't know, and all that jazz. He asked for my name, what I'm doing there, and how long I had been there. I tell him. Then he says, well, I'm looking for someone, and clearly you're not them. Have you seen a girl around here? To which I reply that no, I hadn't, and then he walks off back into the woods. That is the end of that story. I walked away and went home. Not the creepiest, I know, but I am left with. Questions. 
Why was he looking for a girl in the dark, alone, at that time? And also, if he were looking for an armed criminal, appearing to ignore him and walking away could have ended very badly for me. I'm thankful he didn't lose his cool. That is, if he was even a cop. He did say he was, but I never saw his uniform as it was so dark. I have not yet seen anything on the news. I just hope the girl is okay, whatever happened. Driving home from Kingman, Arizona, after grocery shopping, a silver Monterey, shaped creature or craft with a glowing neon green cockpit with green and blue exhaust flames coming out of the tail end, instantly appeared over my car windshield about five to six feet in the air. It was as if it was watching over me while driving in the darkness on my dirt road for a couple of minutes until I reached my house. The craft seemed to undulate like a living being. Then it just disappeared into the clear, dark night. I have seen various objects flying around my house and found several burned-up bushes from exhausted flames. I've been trying to find someone to report the sightings to since they were occurring nightly. I told my brother Jack and my daughter about it. My brother Jack thought I was seeing things until I showed him the images from my security cameras outside. My daughter told me to contact you. I started staying with friends and family and not at home alone. Would really like for someone to please come out there and investigate these numerous sightings. My brother finally believed me when he was visiting one weekend helping me fix barbed wire fencing around the house. He saw for himself strange objects flying over us in the night. They were also witnessed by his girlfriend who was helping us. There was a formation of lights which I thought was a squadron of military planes, but there was no sound and then they flew out of sight instantly. We have more details, but too much to explain in this report, due to the fact this has been ongoing for almost a year. I would like to know what is going on around my house. I had just enlisted in the Forest Service in 2006 and was working in the Algonquin Park for the summertime. I never understood why they paid me as little as they did for all the things I had to deal with. To give you some more context, the Algonquin Park is this massive wildlife preserve full of moose, black bears, elk, etc. And this is why it makes it such an excellent tourist trap. We're always finding weird things too, like tracks and scat, which is pretty normal. But not when you find human looking scat in four times the size. That's when things begin to get very unnerving. In fact, I had several people on a trail, a very popular trail, which name and route I won't mention, but they had reported seeing very large piles of human scat along the side. After being disgusted, thinking somebody could not wait to find the bathroom or was just simply going in the great outdoors far too close to a road that people travel after inspection, this was far larger than any human could produce. Also, around the scat pile were these massive footprints that were evidently from a bipedal being. Nearby, these prints are large blackberry bushes, meaning that whatever was around here was probably eating berries and doing its business. I never thought Bigfoot was a possibility, but the more and more I see this kind of stuff, the more evidence I'm exposed to, the more I'm becoming a believer, I should say.
Raised by hunters, so I know enough, but I've only ever been unsuccessfully deer hunting. My family had a cabin up in the mountain range near San Jose, Mount Hamilton, and we would go up every summer and winter for a few days. And it's far out 27 miles on asphalt and 9 miles on a dirt road. No electricity and no cell service unless you were on the asphalt road. So pretty far out. We had a couple of creepy places around the cabin. One was Snake Rock, which admittedly wasn't that weird. It was just absolutely infested with snakes, hundreds of them. No other creatures around, and you always felt weird around it. Another was the Winovich's shack, which was this even farther shack from us that the family had moved out to get away from society, and they supposedly died out in the cabin. When I was roughly 16 or 17 old enough to go on the trail alone, so long as I had a rifle with me, I rode our TV to the cabin, and I always was skeeved out in that place. The shack was always louder inside than out, like an absolute cacophony of noise. But I'll never forget checking it out and finding a shredded carcass of something in on the table. Looked like maybe a raccoon or skunk. Gutted, flies everywhere, maybe a few days old, and my heart starts pounding in my chest. I could hear my blood pressure in my ears sound like rushing water. Because the cabin may be old, but it's got what I would consider animal-proof entryways, except for small rodents and maybe larger vermin. But I hopped on the ATV and noped so hard, and I got the sensation to stop up ahead, like just a second to stop and listen with the ATV off about 100 yards from the cabin. And as soon as I stop, I realize that it's dead silent. No birds, no squirrels, nothing I could feel my hair stand up. And it was like, nope, this am gone. I've never rode that a TV so fast. I got back to the cabin and my grandfather asked me if I was okay and I explained what I saw. And I've never seen him so concerned. We ended up deciding to cut the trip short and head out, and when we came back a few weeks later, we both went to the cabin, and whatever was on the table was gone. It just left a huge pool of blood and fur. I'm Joe, a Navy SEAL stationed on a small island near a rock. I've experienced my fair share of intense and harrowing situations, but nothing could have prepared me for the disturbing and inhumane encounter I had during one particular deployment. Rumors had been swirling among the soldiers, whispered words that hinted at something deeply unsettling happening beneath the surface. It was said that there were human hostages being held captive in underground cages, subjected to unspeakable horrors. Initially, I brushed it off as mere gossip, a product of the stress and isolation that surrounded us. But the curiosity gnawed at me, urging me to investigate further. One morning, during our routine roll call, we were led to a hidden cave entrance. As we descended into the depths, a chilling sense of dread settled in the pit of my stomach. And then the truth was revealed before our eyes. The underground chambers held prisoners, but they were no longer human. Their bodies contorted, their minds twisted into something inhuman, something grotesque. They exhibited animalistic behaviors, their eyes devoid of humanity, replaced by a primal instinct. The commanding officer, breaking his long-held silence, finally shared the truth with us. 
These captives were not ordinary people, and the knowledge of their existence had been intentionally concealed from us. He warned that any attempts to free them had resulted in gruesome deaths, with the mutilated bodies displayed as a grim reminder of the consequences. No sooner had he finished speaking than chaos erupted. The prisoners broke free from their cages, their newfound freedom fueling a rampage of violence and terror. The unit was ordered to evacuate immediately, to retreat back to the safety of our ships. But the journey back would become an ordeal of unimaginable horror. Each person in our unit had their own eerie encounters as we fought our way back. Some heard chilling whispers in the darkness, tormenting their minds with ancient secrets. Others caught glimpses of shadowy figures stalking us, always lurking just beyond the reach of our weapons. In the desert hills, I personally witnessed a towering creature, its head resembling that of a deer adorned with sharp antlers and long, menacing claws. Its eyes bore into my soul as it observed our every move, a silent threat that sent shivers down my spine. In the end, it was a battle for survival. We lost many brave men along the way, their sacrifices etched into our hearts and minds. As the chaos unfolded, I found myself face to face with the creature that had haunted our nightmares. In a desperate fight for my life, I managed to take it down, but not without scars of my own. I escaped the island, fleeing in a boat, the weight of what I had witnessed weighing heavily on my conscience. The secrecy surrounding the captives and the horrors they had become haunted me, and I knew I couldn't keep this experience buried within me. I felt compelled to share my story, to shed light on the inhumanity that lurked beneath the surface of the battlefield. So here I am, a Navy SEAL named Joe, breaking the silence and hoping that my words serve as a warning. There are horrors that exist beyond our comprehension, secrets that are kept hidden for reasons we may never fully understand. But we must never forget that even in the darkest corners of our world, there are those who fight for justice and for the preservation of our humanity. Back last year, almost exactly, in walking, and there's a trail that stems into a first from the main road, and you walk through a very tight path that is partly broken up due to thick tree roots. I'm walking back from a six-mile jog, and I'm halfway in the trail. To my right, several meters below me, and about 100 to 180 feet away, there are train tracks. From that area, I hear what sounds like a parrot screeching, crying in my direction. I turn around trying to see where it came from, and I started walking faster. It screeched louder, and I heard a single rustle. Then the sound coming closer. I think I broke the world record for the 100-meter dash because I booked my tits out of there and I never heard it since. Stupid of me, but I went back days later multiple times and never heard it again, except faintly once. I think. Does anyone have any idea what the F that thing was? It sounded like it was crying, but half in pain and half in get-over-here-bitch kind stones. All I can say is that it did not sound human at all. It only sounded like it was crying, screeching like a demon baby. Hey, everyone, 
Let me tell you about a creepy thing that happened to me early this week. At the time, I didn't think anything of it, but now that I've put some thought into it, I feel a bit creeped out by it. A bit of backstory. I'm a guy in my early 20s who enjoys the occasional joint, though my parents, whom I live with, do not approve. As a result, I keep my stash in the woods down the road from my house. The actual stash site is very well hidden. It was in a very thick bush under a rock, practically buried. There is absolutely no way that anyone could just happen to find the stash, and I know this because I've been using this same spot for almost a year. Plus, like I said before, it was practically underground, under a bush, in the middle of some woodland that is rarely visited. Anyhow, that night I remember feeling quite creeped out as I walked through the woods, as if someone was following me. I felt like I could hear movement behind me, feel eyes on me, but I just sort of put it down to the fact that I was walking through the dark, spooky woods on my own, high as F in the middle of the night. When I got to the stash site, there was a cat nearby. She looked a little alarmed by my presence, but didn't run away until a few moments later when she noped the F out of there for seemingly no reason. This spooked me out a bit and sort of reinforced that feeling of being followed. I had a minute or two before, but I reassured myself by putting it down to the weed, making me paranoid. I go back the following night and the stash is gone. Putting it all together in my head, the only explanation that makes sense is that someone, or something, but probably the former law, was indeed in those woods. Very weird shit. Needless to say, I don't like staying at hotels much anymore. I drove nine hours to meet my parents at a halfway mark to pick up my two-year-old daughter at an agreed-on hotel. I assumed we were all going to stay there the night since we both had such a long drive. When I had grabbed all her things, I asked, are you going to stay here too? My dad said, no, we are going to head back. I was a little disappointed, but I understood that they don't like hotels much. I checked in and went to our room. It was fairly late, but I don't sleep much at night. I am more of a night person. I turned the TV on and I was in my bed and my daughter was in hers. She fell asleep pretty quick, probably the car ride. I had all the lights off in the room. The only light was coming from the TV. I was sitting up against the headboard with my legs stretched out straight in front of me under the covers. All of a sudden, I felt something grab my toes, both feet at the same time. I quickly pulled my legs in toward me with my knees bent against my chest. I grabbed my phone and used the light on it to shine at the end of the bed. I didn't see anything. I sat there trying to look stoic like I wasn't afraid, but inside I was screaming. I didn't want whatever it was to see me scared. After a few minutes of sitting there, acting like nothing just happened, I relaxed my legs and continued watching D. Moments later, I felt pressure next to my leg, like a hand, like someone was leaning their body onto the bed from the end of the bed with both hands down on the mattress. Then I felt pressure as if their left hand moved forward and pressed down. Then what felt like their right hand moved forward and closer to my knee. Then their left hand moved forward. It felt like someone or something was crawling up to my face, slowly and methodically. It was definitely a Harley Quinn-type movement. I could feel the palm push down first. Then the hand rolled forward to the fingers. 
Imagine it like how a person walks, heel to toe. The motion was very similar and very exaggerated. It was creepy and unsettling like it was having fun. I flung off the blankets and jumped into my daughter's bed, hoping her innocence would save me. I was facing the wall, spooning her, and I seen shadows go across the wall. I jumped up and turned the light on, frantically grabbing our stuff to pack up to leave. I went down to check out. It was about 4 a.m. The guy working said you were leaving early. I said, yeah, I couldn't sleep by chance. Do you have anyone ever tell you this hotel is haunted? I laughed nervously, waiting for him to laugh, too, which I wish he would have. Instead, he replied, why? What room were you in? I told him, and he replied, I don't know why they put you over there. I never put people over there. Ever since we got new owners, they did a cleansing on the building, thinking things would get better, but since then, things have gotten worse. I told him, yeah, I don't think it worked. I will never forget that, and I wanted to share it.